Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Are you a good judge of people? Some folks just have an uncanny ability to pick up on what kind of character people have. I'm the opposite. I always get it wrong. But if you have that skill, how does that fit with what the Bible says about never judging people's hearts? We're studying James chapter 4, and verse 11. It says, Brothers, do not speak against one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. When you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And you might think, well, wait a minute, aren't there times when it's necessary to make a negative judgment about a person? You've got to call a spade a spade, right? Call sin sin. Yes, absolutely. Jesus warned us to beware of false prophets, and he says, you'll know them by their fruit. So that's, that's a kind of judgment, right? We've got to judge their fruit. Jesus said, if your brother sins against, him, against you, go to him and show him his fault. That's the kind of judgment. So yeah, there's times when negative judgment about a person is necessary, and sometimes it's necessary to talk about it. So, so which kinds of judging are okay, and which kinds of judging are forbidden? Well, we handled that topic in detail when we studied the Sermon on the Mount in, in Matthew 7. The first two sermons of Matthew 7, we talked a lot about that. We don't have time to repeat everything in those sermons, but I'll give you um, just a summary of what we found. There are six kinds of judging that Scripture forbids. The first one we've just talked about, judging unmercifully. That's one of the ones that Jesus said, that's the wrong kind of judgment. Do not judge unmercifully. Secondly, judging legalistically. You know, you grew up in a family or in a church that had certain no-nos and taboos, and you're not allowed to do this, and don't get that. And and they're not mentioned in the Bible, you know, uh, but, but it's always associated with negative things for you. And so you see a Christian doing that, and you just look down on him. You just think, he's not, he's, he's kind of a, he's not very committed. That's judging legalistically. Number three, judging superficially. John seven twenty four. Jesus said, Stop judging by mere appearances. Make right a right judgment. So he says, make a judgment. Go ahead and make a judgment. But make a right judgment. Don't do it by mere appearances. Don't do it by, by external things, superficial things. And James already talked about that, remember, in chapter 2, with the favoritism thing, judging people by their clothes they wear, by how attractive they are, by how much money they have. That's all superficial. Number four, judging self-righteously. Looking at the person with an attitude, I'm better than you. That's the guy in Luke 18, 9. I, I thank you, God, that I'm not like that guy. You know? Jesus condemned that. Judging prematurely is number five. Proverbs eighteen thirteen. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. You form an opinion before you have all the facts, that's folly. Number six, judging ignorantly. And, and, and that one I think is the most common and the biggest problem in the church. Judging ignorantly. Ju- you're judging someone's heart. You don't know their heart. We make terrible judges because we can't see motives. We can't see uh, thoughts. We can't see affections. And those are the most important things, right? All of the most important facts we don't have. And we're not permitted to make assumptions about those things. 
First Corinthians uh, negative assumptions. First Corinthians four five says, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. Until he does that, you don't know someone's motives. You say, well, what if the what if the motives are obvious? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if they're obvious. It's still forbidden. If you suspect they might have a bad motive, you can ask them about that, but then you need to accept whatever they say. You cannot assume you know someone's motive. There are some people who think, I don't even have to fill in the gaps with mercy because there are no gaps in my knowledge. I know exactly what his motive is. I know exactly what it is. He did that because he wanted this and she did that because she wanted... And and sometimes they try to justify this by calling it a spiritual gift. They, they call it the gift of discernment. Oh, I got discernment. I can read people. I'm a good judge of character. I can tell. I... If, you, if you know what's in people's hearts, if you, if you have that skill where you can discern their motives, that's not the gift of discernment. That's just proof that you're God. Okay? Because 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Only God has that ability. That's one of the proofs that Jesus is a Messiah. He could do that. He could read people's motives in their hearts and their thoughts. So if you, if you can do that, that's just proof that you're God. Discernment is not a free pass that allows you to assume that you know people's motives. That's not discernment. Discernment is the ability to pick up on whether ideas are biblical or unbiblical. That's what discernment is. You know, you got a discerning person can read a book, and, and, and if he has a gift of discernment, he can pick up on subtle errors uh, and unbiblical ideas that other people miss. That's discernment. Discernment is not the ability to read someone's heart. You might be a lot better than the average person at guessing motives, but still, it's a guess. It's a guess, and maybe there's a 95% chance that that person has a bad motive, but if that's the case, there's still a 5% chance that he has a good motive, and love requires that you assume the 5%. That's the royal law of Scripture. Love your neighbor. Love always trusts. I find it interesting that people who claim to be such great judges of character or who think they're so good at discerning motives, for some reason, their skill seems to be mainly spotting bad motives. Right? That's what they're really good at, bad motives. If, if, they, if they're such good judges of character, my question, why are they so blind to people's good motives? They have an eagle eye when it comes to spotting weakness. Why are they blind to strengths and virtues and, and, and good things in people that they don't like? Judgmental people are about as good at assessing character as flies are at assessing meat. All, their attention is drawn to what's rotten. That's where they go. That's where they land. How much of God's work... God's marvelous work of sanctification. How much of it do we miss? Because we're so blind to the good things and focused on the faults. You ever wonder what you're missing? How many marvelous, wonderful things does the Holy Spirit work in the hearts of His people? And and, and God the Father is rejoicing over it and the Son, God the Son, is delighting in it and you and I are missing it altogether because we're focused on some negative fault. Love covers over sin. It'll cover over a multitude of sins. Remember the account in Genesis 9 where Noah was drunk and he was exposed in his tent and it was this horrible thing and his son walks in on him like that and looks at him 
And then he not only looks at him, Ham, he goes and tells his two brothers, Japheth and Shem, about what, it, it, just exposing the, 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 the shame of it. That was his response. He was cursed for doing that. Shem and Japheth, they had a godly response. What did they do? They, they wouldn't look. They put, they put a garment on their shoulders and walked in backwards into the tent and covered him up. They wouldn't look at him. They covered over his shame. And they were blessed for that in Scripture. That, that passage is such an important lesson on how we are to look at each other's shame. We don't advertise it. We don't draw attention to it. We don't even allow ourselves to gaze at it and to think about it. We walk into the room backwards and cover up what's ugly. So that's reason number one why we shouldn't speak against each other. Realize where it comes from. That comes from a judgmental heart. When you read that story about Noah's sons, it's an uncomfortable story to even read, isn't it? I mean, to think about a man who sees his drunk father naked and just goes in and stares at his naked body, it's just a disgusting thought. But maybe the grossness of that image could help us see the ugliness of what we're doing when we allow ourselves to gaze upon that which is dishonorable in other people's character. Do you do that? Allow yourself to set your attention on what other people are doing wrong? Or do you avert your eyes from their flaws and focus on what's good in them? Can you think of a time in your life when someone acted like Ham, they focused all their attention on some, something ugly or embarrassing about you and drew attention to it? And can you think of a time when someone acted like the other two brothers? They averted their gaze from your ugliness. Is there someone in your life you need to treat more that second way and less the first way? Who am I, Father, to judge anyone? Why would I be less merciful than you? I make all kinds of snap judgments about people based on the most superficial observations, like a 10-second sample of their driving habits. That I look at the outward appearance. Only you can see the heart. And I don't want other people to make judgments about me. Give me the grace to think about others the way I want them to think about me. Fill me with your grace. Teach me to walk in your love and mercy. For great is your love, and your compassion reaches to the heavens. The whole earth is filled with your tender mercy. Teach me your decrees. I will sing of your love and justice. I will praise you for your loving kindness forever. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.